Hello, this is Leslie Gorka Tenzer, and this is Legal Tenzer, casual conversations on noteworthy legal topics. On January 7th, 2023, five black police officers of the Memphis Police Department severely beat Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man, during a traffic stop. Nichols was hospitalized in critical condition and died three days later. Today, my guest, professor and noted civil rights attorney Randolph McLaughlin, joins me to discuss the matter and to share ways in which students can use their law degrees to affect change. So thank you so much for joining me. This is a sensitive topic, and I'm glad that I have you to speak to me about it and, and to kind of shed some light on the issue. I'd like to talk, as we said, about Tyree Nichols. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I, maybe just do a short recap of what happened, and then we can take it from there. Well, here's, here's the confusing part about this case. We don't yet know, truly, what led to the stop by the police. Because that's the first thing. Was the stop of Mr. Nichols legally correct? Was mm-hmm. there anything he did that was, was illegal? From what the officers say, he was driving recklessly, so they said. But all the video and all the tapes that the police department, not that they've all been released to the public yet, none of those tapes indicate anything that he did that caused him to be pulled over at all. So why'd they stop him? You're right, but but... Even if they had stopped him, it didn't justify what they did to him. So why does it matter why they stopped? Like, why is that your threshold question, I guess? Because if they stopped, if they unconstitutionally stopped him, then anything they did after that is illegal. Okay. Anything. Mm -hmm. If they unconstitutionally stopped him, then had they been following the Constitution, they wouldn't have stopped him at all. He'd be alive. Right. So it's that, it's the initial encounter where things go south. Got it. If that initial encounter had never happened, he'd be alive today. Right. But let's go to the question you want to ask, which is what went wrong? Right. It, what went wrong here is that they had a high crime situation in Memphis. And like many large cities, New York City did the same thing during the height of the crack era. They create these special units. Mm-hmm. And these special units are then sent into, quote, high crime areas to do what they do. Right. Which is take guns off the street, um, arrest people who are using drugs or selling drugs. All that's good. That's fine. No doubt. Listen, the communities where these units are working, Mm -hmm. they're not working. And I'm talking about New York now. They're not working in Scarsdale or or the rich areas. Right. They're working in predominantly people of color neighborhoods. Yeah. So... And I live in Harlem. Do I want folks with guns running around the streets in Harlem? No, I don't. Right. But I also don't want people brutalized and beaten right. just because they're in the wrong neighborhood. That's what happened here. They treated him from the very first moment as if he was a gang member, if he was an armed criminal, and he, he was none of those things. No. He was none of those things. No. So... In New York, we had a unit called the Street Crimes Unit, mm-hmm. just like these guys. Mm-hmm. And they would roam all over the city. Right. They had no boundaries. They were plain clothes. And those were the cops who rolled up on Amadou Diallo, an African immigrant, who was going into his home, turned around, and the cops shot him 42 times. Right. They claimed, the officers did, that he took out his wallet and pointed it at them. Seriously? I don't I mean... There's a concept that Dave Dorfman, one of our professors here, teaches. It's called test the line. What's that? That's where officers are trained 
on how to manufacture testimony, hmm. how not how how not to say the wrong thing. Right. Test a line. Now we have video line. What do I mean by that? You you hear these officers get on the ground, and he says, "I'm on the ground." Right. He they say, "Give us your hands." He says, "You've got my hands." So they're saying things, but they know they're being recorded, and they don't think this guy's smart oh. enough to con to contradict them. Because normally, get on the ground, and you guys, right. he's rustling. Right. He's on the ground. Right. So he, he can't, right. So they say, get on the ground, and he can't say, well, I'm already on the ground. What do you want from me? That's what he says. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they came at him with this aggressive, you know, let, let me, let's be frank. If these guys, right. in my opinion, now, well, COVID thing, if these guys, officers, had stopped a young white kid right. dressed in a, you know, yeah. A nice suit. Right. They wouldn't have pulled him out of the car like that. Well, okay. I accept that. And I think you're right. And that really leads to... And, and let's for the let's be clear, too, that the police were African-American. Yes, I'm going to talk right? about that. Okay. I want to hear about that. But here's the thing I have. Do you think... Or the question I have. Do you think that there were members of the Scorpion Unit, I believe it was called. Scorpion. That... Right. What does Scorpions do? Sting. sting and kill. Right. They sting and kill. <laughs> but do you think that... You know, oh, you're on the Scorpion unit, and the reason you're on the Scorpion unit, or the reason you're on the Safe Street unit, is because the presumption is that everyone's bad. So, do you think that they join it and they say we're going to assume everyone's bad? I think it's just a culture that of the unit. Okay. Because of what they're doing, mm -hmm. their default position is when they pull you over, you're a criminal. That's what I mean, right? That's what's in their mindset. You're a criminal that's going to hurt me, I'm going to say. That's right. Thinking. I'll give you an example of that. Uh -huh. My own personal example. Oh, this is going to break my heart. Oh, well, luckily it won't because I'm still here to talk about it. Um, I was in law school. I was graduated law school. I'm taking the bar exam. And my brother and I went to shop at a, a supermarket in mm -hmm. Whitestone, Queens. And I'm wearing a bubble jacket and a black beret. Jeans and sneakers. And you still, just for the record, still wear the beret. <laughs> anyway, I yeah. still do. I know. To this right, very yes. day. Anyway. <laughs> it's my, <laughs> I know. It's my homage to the Black Panthers and Che Guevara. I like that. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so I, we see this, this Crown Vic in the, in, the, in the parking lot, and he's moving around doing weird things. And growing up where I grew up, I said, oh, those are cops. You just spot them like that. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think anything. I don't think anything illegal. I go to the store, I'm in the store. I'm at the last aisle, and I see this guy come around the corner fast. He's wearing a leather jacket. He's about 6'3", blue eyes, blonde hair. He whips out what looked like a badge, but I didn't see it long enough, and he starts asking me questions. So I'm a little nervous because the cops, he's up on me. Right. So I instinctively just put my hand in my pocket. That's all I did. I didn't try and pull anything out. Right. I know that's wrong. You mean you put your hand in your pocket to say that you don't have anything in your hand? No, just to be... Uh, I, it was it's just what happened. It was just what happened. Okay. Yeah. As soon as my hand hits the pocket, uh, cop pulls the gun, <gasps> says, move, and I'll blow your brains oh out. Oh, my God. And I'm looking down the barrel of a gun. Needless to say, I did not move. Right. So I put my hands up the pocket. I then put my hands on top of my head because I wanted the store customers to see this cop's got a gun on me. Right. And if he shoots me, I had my hands on my head. Right. You can't say I was going for anything. Right. So the cop says, take your hands off your head. I said to him, put your gun away, I'll take my hands down. 
Wow. And we're going back and forth. Like, he's like this. Wow. Oh, my God. It was scary. That's scary. So what does he say to me after I pull up my wallet yeah. and I show him my Harvard ID? Uh -huh. He says, oh, I'm so sorry, sir, but we thought you fit the description of an escaped murder or right. some other nonsense. Right. But that's the perception. Yeah. And I'll speak yeah. about this now. If they stop a young black male, and I was one of those at the time, the presumption is this person's dangerous. Right. Until you show otherwise. Right. So that's why young black fathers tell their children, especially their boys, if a cop stops you, don't move quickly. Keep your hands where they can see them because they're... They, listen, police, I don't think there's a police officer in the country who goes out in the morning and says, I want to shoot somebody. I know. Today. That's what's so crazy. But Wait. here's what happens. Okay. In my opinion, I've, I've talked to a lot of police officers. I've worked for police officers. I've represented police officers. I've sued police officers. Mm -hmm. The whole nine yards. What does a cop want to do? He wants to go home. At the end of the day, he wants to go home. Right. And he knows as he moves through the day, anybody he stops could make sure he does it. So their default position is fear. Oh, you mean I see that anybody fear. stops could potentially kill kill him. Okay, I thought I thought you because to me what I'm thinking is if you want to go home, you don't want to go to jail, so don't kill anyone because you could go to jail. No, not jail, you want to die. I understand. I understand. Yeah, it's not about jail. They don't, and they and and they just assume everyone's out to kill. Like everyone's you, a bad guy until you show otherwise. Right. Because that's that's their default position. Right. And look, I understand that. I mean, I do. Fear will get you killed. Right. You know, and a cop, when you, like what I did, he's not pulling that gun because he wants to shoot me. He's pulling the gun because I may have something in my pocket. Got it. And I understand that. Now I do. Right, right, right. And I did it. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Jeez. Wait. Tell me about it. <laughs> I, I say this. Every, I should have died that night. Literally. That's scary. I should have died. And if the cop had shot me, even with my hands on, no, if my hand had been in the pocket and right. the cop had shot me, right. no jury would have convicted him. How did you have the presence of mind to act the way that you acted? Let me tell you. <laughs> when you look down, I don't know if you ever looked down the belt. Thank God I have not. I, I've only done it once. Right. That hole is the, it, the, whole, the whole world is in that hole. Right. In the muzzle of the gun. It's huge. Right. And if you don't get your act together, you know you could be dead. Right. The man's got a gun and his hands on the trigger, fingers right. on the trigger. All he's got to do is pull it. It's not that hard. Right. You're dead. Right. You better be calm. Right. So I saw the situation. It was like, a, it was like a being in a, in a war zone. Yeah. I knew my life was in danger. Wow. I knew it. Wow. And I knew I, I, once he frisked me and my hands were out of the pocket, mm -hmm. once that happened, my hands were on top of my head, mm -hmm. I knew I had the power. Wow. Because if he shoots me, he's going to jail. And right? this is pre-cell phones. Oh, yeah. No, no I know, I know. They don't know. The listeners no, don't know. No, no. Um, and no. What, happened, what happened to your brother? What, 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 Nothing. What, I know, but what did he do while this was going on? He was standing in shock. Okay, got it. <laughs> so let me bring you back because you are a, pre pre you know, you're, you're a prominent civil rights attorney. But here's the question I have going back to Tyree Nichols. This was a black unit. Yeah. Well, this was, these were black officers. Black officers, that's what I mean. This was black officers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they hurt, they killed a black yeah, man. Sure they did. So, what do we do? Here's what I'll say about that. Like, what, what, Civil, the civil rights community mm -hmm. was complaining about racist 
police brutality. Right. White officers using race as a proxy to beat you up. But the bottom line is, it's police brutality mm -hmm. that we're concerned about. I don't care what the color of the officer is at all. Because once you pull on the blue uniform, you bleed blue. Right. I you know, see. So yeah. it, it's a question of how do you train these people right. to not perceive because the same media images that that the, the majority see uh -huh. sees that those are the same media images that black officers see. Right. So what are those media images? You watch local news any given day of the week. Yeah. You'll see murders and shootings by black young men against other black young men mostly. Right. They're not shooting white guys because they're not going down to Park Avenue mm -hmm. or Scarsdale mm -hmm. and shooting people. It's mm -hmm. happening within our communities. Mm -hmm. So they perceive that also. So again, stop a young black man. I'm going to perceive this person as right. a threat right. until he shows me otherwise. Right. And in that case, they didn't give him a chance. Right. You know, you look at the way he, they... I, I, it's heartbreaking. I mean, and, and he's saying, you know, not, you're, listen, you're not justified to kill even a bad person if they nope. don't deserve it. But this, this is, it's all particularly heartbreaking. But I think... You're right that the conversation needs to be reframed. It's because it's not racism, no. it's, it's police brutality. Here's a concept that um, I've learned in, in my work in the policing field. There are two kinds of officers that are recruited, or, or two, two functions that officers play in the world, in society. One is called a warrior function. Okay. So those are officers who you need to go out and actually take down a criminal. He's got guns. Mm -hmm. and you find those officers generally go into SWAT teams or emergency services unit. These are the officers that go out in military-style gear. Right. I've seen them. The other side are, are caretaker officers or guardian officers. Who are those? You cats off the tree. You locked yourself out. Of you Something has happened to your family, and you need someone to help you. Those are the officers who show up for that. But the problem is we don't scream out the warrior officers to make sure they're not being placed in a caretaker unit. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, too, because who's becoming a police officer today? Oh, that's a question. So what are the requirements? How do you psychologically screen them? I'll give you an example. Of, it's, it's, it's an analogy. It has some weak points. So years ago, up here in Westchester, my wife and I participated in a program with, for, uh, for training service animals. Okay. Okay? So they would give us these dogs over the weekend. Mm -hmm. and our job was to determine whether that dog had a strong prey instinct. What's a prey instinct? It's an instinct that when you see a squirrel, you go chase it because you want to kill it. Right. That's a predator concept, right? Dogs, humans, we're predators. So if I can determine to detect a prey instinct in a dumb animal, right. why can't I detect that same prey instinct, because we're predators, right. in, a, in a human being? Right. I think you can. You have to. You have to go through an analysis, psychological training, testing, mm -hmm. viewing their past history. Right. Is this a person just like the prey instinct who has a propensity to use violence to solve conflict? Right. That's a warrior. And that we don't want warriors. We want them in ASU units. We want them in in emergency service units. We want them when when a military situation's at hand. Someone's got a bomb. You need to get right. that. Right. That's different. Right. But you need to you need to identify that personality flaw if it is right. or characteristic before you hire them. Mm -hmm. So you make sure they're on the right unit. Give you an example of this. In New York City, there's a hostage negotiation team. And to get into the unit, it's self-selected. You self-select. You have So to you choose to be in it. I want to be in it. Okay. And then they 
you know, train you in that unit. So those are officers who are guardians. Because a warrior is not going to want to be a hostage negotiator. Right. He wants to, you know, engage in you know, physical stuff. Right. So ESU, same thing. You, you need officers who have the willingness to use physical force when necessary. Right. So it's two things. How do you hire these cops? How do you train the cops? Mm-hmm. And you've got to make sure you're training cops for the right jobs. Right. Do you think, do you think that, um, you know, there's cop shortages everywhere. Do you think that that is contributing to the matter? I think, well, if that were the case, then we I mean, wouldn't have had Rodney King 40 years, 30 years ago. N- no, what I mean is that you, the, that the municipalities are taking whoever they can get. Oh, well, that's, that's what good, I meant. That's a good question. Well, you know, I, the only way to answer that question would be to d- determine whether or not post-George um, Floyd, when this right. a lot of cops started retiring because they didn't want all the scrutiny or whatever. It was. Right, right, right. There's a lot of reasons whether or not there was an increase in the number of police violence okay. cases. Also, I think another driver here, mm-hmm. a video, is video. Oh, yeah. So now you can see what they're doing. Right. You know. Yeah, so I th- it's been going on forever. We oh, just yeah. couldn't see it. Yeah, couldn't I think that's it. true of everything. You know, I, I don't want to date this podcast, but, you know, even with the um, UFOs and the... Mm-hmm. I'm sure those were going on. Um, well, this has been really fascinating. For our listeners, what can they do if they want to make a difference? Well, if you're interested in policing mm-hmm. and you have a caretaker guardian mentality, please do it. Mm-hmm. Join the department. We need good police officers in those places. Listen, I don't want I don't want to defund the police. I don't want to be walking down 125th Street at eight o'clock at night and seeing no cops on the street. Right. Oh no. I feel really comfortable when I'm walking down the street late at night and I see a police officer mm-hmm. standing there. Because mm-hmm. I know the chances are there won't be any drama going on. Right? But either get involved, get involved if you're um, in a town that has a civilian complaint review board. You know, that would be good for law students to get on the civilian. Re- That's yeah. a great idea. That's get, a great idea. Get on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then start to evaluate, you know, that, that situation. Help to you mm-hmm. know, make those changes. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's a, for law students especially, there are many things you can do. At, inevitably, after one of these incidents... There's um, a lot of demonstrations, a lot of public outcry. And what we saw in New York City, and these, a New York City CCRB found that a lot of the officers were not properly trained on how to deal with mass demonstrations mm-hmm. and engage in acts of violence. Hmm. So get involved. Mm-hmm. Get involved as a legal observer in your town. Maybe the National Lawyers Guild has a group of legal observers. And go to the demonstrations as a legal observer, mm-hmm. not just as a marcher. Mm-hmm. Go there as a legal observer. Mm-hmm. You know, help people to to protect their rights to protest. Mm-hmm. Because the only way we're going to change this society and these kinds of issues is if all of us get involved, right? Whatever level we can, right? Well, this has been really interesting and enlightening, and I really appreciate that you've taken the time to speak with me about this. Thank you for asking. Thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or a professor or attorney with whom you'd like me to speak, send us an email at legaltensor at westacademic.com and send us any suggestions you may have. We love getting feedback. Have a great day.